0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk. I'm here with my co-host, Nick Sigelski. And today, we have the one and only VP of Revenue over at the one and only Dooley and the one and only Michelle Peach. Nick,
1: why should people listen? This was a wonderful discovery lesson. And one of the things Michelle does a really great job of is getting into like conversational discovery. So if you've ever felt like stiff and stuffy where you're like, I've got to lead with my upfront contract, like she does things a little bit differently. And this was a really great discovery episode. Three, two, one, tuli. Here's
0: my secret to being a sales
1: superhuman. It's
0: auto reminders for everything. If I expect and one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with RocketReach. So if you like this check out their toolkit on 8 ways to triple
1: your cold call connects in the show notes. All right Michelle, welcome to the show. We start every single episode with your top 3 actionable takeaways. So let's get your 3.
2: Number 1, don't go into a call blind. Make sure you know where you are walking into. Know your prospects industry, the company, and focus on 2 to 3 pain points that you can potentially solve prior to getting on the call with them.
1: Beautiful. What's number 2, Michelle?
2: prospecting. When you're prospecting, you always want to customize your messaging. So do your research, understand who you're reaching out to, potentially go to their Twitter if they have one and find an example that you could make your messaging applicable to them. And then tailor your messaging that ties back to your solution and something that is exciting to them.
1: Very nice. Round us out, Michelle. What's number three?
2: Number three, don't be afraid to ask the hard questions. I know this is really difficult, especially when you're building great rapport, but you have to ask The tough questions around next steps and what their process is to buy. This will help you and your prospect have a better sales process along the way.
0: All righty, Michelle. So I know you came from Drift in the past. I know you're at Dooley now. And one of the big things you focused on is conversational discovery, less of the rigid upfront contract, more of just having a conversation. One of the things that's hard is when you're pushing for next steps or when you're negotiating with someone, I have to ask the hard questions and it sort of breaks that conversational barrier at times. And so how do I ask for next steps and hold my prospects accountable without seeming like an annoying sales rep?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So asking for next steps is difficult, especially when you're having this great conversation and you've built really great rapport and you feel as though like you probably got the deal, but you never want to leave the deal hanging. And it's easier to ask for next steps especially if you have a call that you need to be scheduled ask them if they have their calendar open and for me we were always I've sold to salespeople and we can tie it back to hey I'm gonna put my sales hat on here let's get some next steps on the calendar what's the best way to get somebody on the books in the next week or two so we can wrap this up and you can use that to play the game and everyone on the sales side they get it and you're almost you're not doing your job unless you have next steps. And that's the biggest thing for a sales leader too. I'm always asking, what are your next steps? And it's best for you to have an agreed upon next step with your prospect.
0: What you're doing there is... In a past episode, we called it the humbling disclaimer, where you're just taking all the worries in your mind and you're putting it out on the table. You're basically saying like, hey, I got to put my sales hat on. Or something I've used in the past is like, my manager is going to kill me if I don't have another meeting on the books here, Just even though I totally trust you. And so could I bug you and get 30 minutes back on the calendar just so we make sure this thing goes through? And by calling that out, as opposed to just pushing for 30 minutes, pushing for 30 minutes, you're far more relatable and also just personable than a traditional salesperson.
2: Exactly. You're adding that human aspect to the sales cycle. And most people don't necessarily like to have that aggressive sales tactic anymore, especially these days where you can buy things without even actually talking to anyone. So add that human aspect to the, the process and say like, "Hey, listen, my manager is going to ask me what's happening with this deal. It seems as though we have agreed upon next steps. We're a good fit for you. Let's get something on the calendar. Is your calendar open right now,
1: Michelle?" I feel really closely tied to the next steps is understanding the customer's process to buy. And this is an area that I really struggle to get out, like to understand from the from the customer's perspective, because I, I know what my typical sales process looks like, but sometimes I don't fully understand like what the customer needs done. And so, I feel sort of awkward especially if I'm talking to someone who might not be like the final signer of the deal like, so, what's your process to buy this thing? And so, I'm wondering, how do you artfully uncover that?
2: Yeah, that's a great question and that's something that we're always dealing with and I think it leads to proper discovery early on in the sales cycle. Depending on how long your sales cycle is, it could be, you know, 14 days to 180 days. But starting to plant the seed early on in that discovery process, so early, who else needs to get involved? If we're going to be doing a trial, who else is going to be doing the trial with us? Who do you typically work with when you're buying something? When was the last time you bought something? And depending on if there's going to be security, procurement, legal, you already know that there's going to be a much larger process towards the end of the deal. So you should tack on those dates and understand like what that process is to achieve everything on those dates.
1: So one area that I've kind of struggled with, because I feel like I'm, I'm pretty good at discovery is I'm having a conversation with a prospect. And I like, I keep uncovering pain with the thing that I'm like going to replace, like that, that my product can help with. And so I guess when I think about discovery, I want to understand the pain that I solve for first, but I also need to discover the buying process. And so Like at what point should I just stop asking questions about the problem that I solve and start to switch more towards like understanding the deal logistics?
2: When you have the pain and you've created that aha moment, that's where you can go in and start asking, what's your typical process internally? Depending on the size of the company, let's let's call it an enterprise deal. We typically have to go through legal security and procurement. Can we start to get red lines going? And that will give you an indication if. They know what their process is internally and what it's going to look like on your end as well. And then you should also ask your prospect when the last time they purchased something and what did that look like for them? It depends on their title and if they need to get other people involved. So right now I'm dealing with lower totem pole typically where our champions have never bought anything. So they need to go internally and figure out what their process is. So right then and there, we know we probably have to get their manager's sign off. Their manager needs to get someone else's sign off. But asking that, like, how can I help you move this deal through your process internally? What does that process typically look like?
0: So could you help me understand a little bit better? Because sometimes where reps screw up is they'll give a discount at the end of the month. And it'll be like the last week of the month, as you know, and I see a smile. And the problem is the customer will be like, great. I can close this month, or I can have a decision this month, but my entire legal team now needs to be involved. And so can you talk about like, when you get into a deal, you know, it's the first week of the month. How does the timeline of all of those other events play out? In other words, how do I start to project manage my timeline and make sure that I time commercial terms exactly in line with like all of the other stuff that needs to be done to get a deal done? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. You said one thing there though, that I want to touch on. Your champion says, I can make a decision this month. That's not, I can sign this month. And that is a big difference when you're forecasting your deals. And okay, you can make a decision this month. Great. What does that look like internally? What goes into that decision-making process? And if you have built the rapport and you know that you have a pain and you can solve that pain, you have every right to ask that question and Once you get the answer, okay, well, typically I can make a decision. That means I have to go to X, Y, and Z. I can get a decision by the 15th of this month, right? Okay, what happens after the 15th of this month? We typically have to go through legal. And then you back into that process, depending on the date that you want signature. If they tell you that it's going to be 45 days out, don't throw a discount in to get it in just because you are assuming that they can get it in by the end of the month. When realistically, it's still going to take 45 days and you have a discount hanging out there. So working with your prospect, identify those dates, and then make sure you have check-ins to make sure we're still on track.
0: So I want to dig in on this. Let's say I've done it the right way. And I've gotten my agreement in the first week of the month. I've gone through procurement, legal, what have you, through the rest of the month. And then the 30th of the month passed, and the first strikes, and a contract is not signed. And let's say I gave a discount. One of the things that I find reps have a really hard time doing is saying, that's not in place anymore. But how do I do that in a way that doesn't just totally blow up the deal where it's like, hey, you were three days late. Now you have to pay 20 grand more.
2: Sure. That's a great question. And that's tough because it's situational, right? What happened? Why didn't they sign? And have you been in constant communication with your prospect? I've had certain situations where we're dealing with sea level and something tragic happened on the other end. So we were able to get the deal signed a few days later. We gave it to them because it was, you have to be a human in that instance and understand what happened. If you're get completely ghosted, there's something, something happened that you didn't know about that probably impacted the deal. So I would make sure, you know, competition, you know who the signer is and is the signer in agreement well before you toss that discount out for the, the 30th of the month, because there's always other players in there that you might not know about. So you need to make sure you have all your bases covered.
1: Michelle, I want to take this sort of all the way back to the beginning of the discovery process. Because one of the things that you told me when we were preparing for this interview is like, you're not super like rigid Sandler, like crazy upfront contract in the beginning of the discovery call. A big piece for you is like, you want it to be a conversation, but you also are pulling things out that you need from a sales discovery perspective. And so I'm wondering if you could sort of break down, like when you're going into an initial discovery call with someone you've never really spoken with
2: before. Yeah, absolutely. So... You're both taking time out of your day to talk about your solution and figure out if your solution can solve something that's broken or a pain that's on your prospect side. So always have that in the back of your mind that you're trying to identify the pain and tie it back to what we offer. If you don't identify that, it's a waste of time. You want to get some metrics that you can always toss back. I I call it the golden nuggets. Always have those golden nuggets in your back pocket. To toss back to the prospect if things start to go awry at the end of the sales cycle. So you always wanna help them find that aha moment and asking open-ended questions and sprinkling them across the actual discovery call and not just badgering them with questions. We're lucky we saw the salespeople. I've also sold to, to tech and engineers, which is drastically different. So you have to identify how they like to communicate too and know, how much time you have with them. Salespeople are a little bit easier where they they understand the, the value that we're going to show them like relatively quickly. But for the engineers or someone that's not necessarily in sales, it goes back to doing your research and understanding the pain that you're going to solve relatively quickly. So asking them, if you were to change one thing with X, what would it be? Or what happens if you fail to achieve X? What's your biggest challenge when it relates to whatever. And having them open up, the biggest challenge is a question that I ask almost all the time, even in interviews, gets them to open up. And it gets them to think about, I do have a challenge and this is my challenge here. And it's open-ended questions. You want to keep it with like two or three open-ended questions. Do not ask a question that results in a yes or a no. And also don't ask leading questions. That's I hate that. Leading questions. Okay. For example... So let me guess, does your manager hit you up for your forecast and your manager's all over you about it? Yep. Yeah. You just gave it to them. You just gave it to them. Like, Don't ask leading questions. You want your prospect to start to think a, a little bit more about their current situation.
1: Well, part of the reason that leading question is is horrible is like you're trapping them into saying yes. And the customer is like, well, of course the answer to that is yes. And I know when I answer that question, yes, you're going to go, oh, well, now Dooley's perfect for you. And it's like, how could anybody answer no to that question? So Michelle, you shared a couple like not to do's when it comes to a discovery call. You talked about not doing any research, like going into that conversation blind. Uh, you talked about asking like, yes, no questions. Cause they sort of just shut down the conversation. It's a one word answer. And then mm-hmm. you also talked about like the leading question where it's like, of course, the answer to this is yes. I'm wondering if there are any other like common discovery pitfalls that you've seen reps run into. Cause you've managed a lot of reps and I, I imagine you've seen some ugly stuff and also some great stuff.
2: I think people get caught up in following a script, which is awful. Like you're, if you have 20 questions and you're just like, boom, 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 because you know that you need to get those questions answered, you sound like a robot and no one wants to talk to a robot. So that's why I mentioned like, figure out two or three like key questions that you know that you can get the answers to that will help you move this deal forward and sprinkle in the aspects of your solution that you know that will resonate with your prospect and ask them, try and get on their level. Like, oh, is this something that, you think you could use? Is this something that you deal with every single day? Because this is what I I deal with it every single day too. It's such a pain. And just being, adding more of that human element and having empathy too. Most people just focus on that script and you're just a robot and you're not listening when you do that. You have to listen. You have to pick up what they're throwing down too. You have to read their body language. Hopefully everyone's using Zoom. I think that adds more of that human aspect to the discovery or just overall building the relationship. but having empathy, listening to your prospect. I listen to gong calls all day long. I only listen to like the first eight minutes because that's when they should be doing their discovery. And within like the first two minutes, I know they just miss that pain and they'll move on. And if they mention one thing, just focus right there. And you can start to build a relationship and build a rapport by asking more questions around the pain. For example, our prospects will tell them like, it's a massive pain to take sales notes in Salesforce. Tell me more about that, man. I hear you. I have to do it all the time. And my my manager, she's all over me. So tell me more about that.
1: It's kind of funny what you said about like the prepared script versus having two to three questions like that you have in your back pocket. I remember my first ever discovery call. I was like a brand new sales rep and I got on the call and my... VP of sales was slacking me questions to ask while the conversation was happening. And so it was honestly the worst call that I've ever had in my (laughs) life because like I was trying to listen to the customer and like act normal, but I'm also hearing like, I didn't know how to shut off the Slack notification noise. So I'm hearing the, and I'm like looking at questions and the person must've thought I was a complete freak because the conversation was so jagged. And so what I started to do after that was what you mentioned earlier, where like I prepared Two to three, I don't know. You could call them like keystone questions, where it was like, I did some research, I looked on their their website, and like, oh, okay, you guys recently had a, an online event, and I bet there was some sales like motion tied to that. I'm curious about. So like, what I tried to do is prep like really good, insightful questions that I could ask at any time, almost no matter where the conversation was. Because sometimes I still struggle with that, where I'm like, wait, I'm supposed to be going in a certain direction. It actually. It ties back to, I remember when I was in high school, I went on a date and I was so nervous. I prepared some questions to ask in advance. So (laughs) that's my life.
2: (laughs) That's smart, you know, in case you get stuck. But I think you should always prepare for any sales call, especially if you might not necessarily um, know what you're getting yourself into. Because I go back into selling into IT and that was tough. Some of the engineers crickets. There's no rapport building. They don't really want to be asked any questions. So you have to have like a a key flow in your back pocket that you can always turn back to. And honestly, sometimes it's just like, cool. So what brought you here today? What can I show you what's happening in your situation? And I'll write into it. It goes back to like reading their body language, hearing what they're saying. If they're not having a conversation with you, if they're They just don't want to have it. They want to see the the powers of your tool, probably because they checked out our competition, then just go in for it.
0: So this reminds me of of one last thing that you actually mentioned in passing at the end of the process, where sometimes you'll get people who like, they're just trying to check the box in competitors or whatever, or they're just trying to like find the lowest price or whatever it might be. And uh, if we go all the way back to the end of the process again, I don't know if we've ever talked about like best practices for managing procurement, which are sort of like, the emperors or empresses of like having no agency in what you do whatsoever. And literally the only purpose of that conversation is to get a deal done in the most favorable terms for their company. And so do you have any Absolutely. best practices for managing those procurement folks?
2: I can tell you to trust their internal process. We try and get deals in. So we try and go around people and we try and get creative. And if you burn the procurement contacts, By going above them or trying to get creative, you're going to make your life a lot harder. So trust their internal process. I would stay firm with whatever discounting you have in place at your organization because I have very strict discounting. We will not discount. There's a specific threshold that you have to hit before you get a discount and you hold firm. That's your process internally. If they're telling you that so-and-so in procurement is going to be reaching out to you on Thursday, should hear back from them by 1 p.m. And this is their process. They're gonna send you this document, you need to sign this document within 24 hours, and then that's it. Well, it's Thursday at four and you're hitting up procurement, you're hitting up the CFO, you're hitting up procurement's like, no, I told you, like I would get back to you and this is why I didn't get back to you. And now go pound sand, I'm gonna take my time. I'll just listen to them. and. I think the key thing is with working with procurement, you have to have a really, really good champion. That champion that's willing to go to bat for you. If procurement is slowing down the process, you have a good champion. They're they're willing to walk into procurement and say like, hey, this is the project that we're signing this deal for and we're coming up against our timeline. And if you don't have that champion, you're kind of stuck because you have to follow procurement. And depending on what the situation is, there's probably, there could be a deal above you that needs to go sooner. They're going to focus on that. Or a stronger champion on the other side, they're going to focus on that. Build that champion, number one. Michelle, this
1: has been phenomenal. I've got a, a page and a half worth of discovery notes look at that. I take my notes here, but we got to move to the final question. We're we're running out of time here. So the last question is this, we've talked about a ton of really good habits that salespeople should be doing. Now we got to talk about a bad habit here. So my question for you is what's one bad habit that you see from a lot of salespeople that they need to stop doing and throw in the trash because it's hurting them more than it's helping?
2: The biggest thing that I've come across with managing hundreds of sales reps, never, they never get the next step. They never get like a firm next step. And it's always, well, I'm going to reach out Tuesday to book my next step. So we had them on a call last week. Why didn't you ask them? Why are you waiting five days? The longer you wait, the longer it's going to take. And you're also opening up the opportunity for your prospect to go look at other people. When it's top of mind, you you have to go in and capitalize on that, get that next step. Is your cal- calendar in front of you? Can I get on a call with you? Understanding what their, pro- their process is internally and outlining that in an email with agreed upon next step, outlining your call, what you identified, the solution that you're going to provide, and your next steps. Super easy.
1: Beautiful. Well, the next step here is anything you want to plug before we jump off, Michelle?
2: Duly salespeople, use duly It will make your life easier. If you're getting pounded by your manager because you don't have your notes or Salesforce clean, if you're spending hours on Friday night updating Salesforce because you have your pipeline review on Monday morning, duly try it for free. Hit me up on LinkedIn. I'll show you a demo. It's super easy. It'll make your life easier.
1: Beautiful. Michelle, thank you so much for coming on the show. And everybody stick around for a 60-second recap coming up soon.
0: And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90-minute masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes. Your top four takeaways from this episode with Michelle Peach include, number one, when you're asking for next steps, it's okay to use a humbling disclaimer. It might sound like I'm going to put my sales hat on, but here's what we need to do to get this done. Number two, once you get the aha moment in your discovery, those two or three problems you can solve, that is a great time to ask about their buying process who needs to be involved, what have you. Number three, when you're giving a discount and it doesn't happen at the end of the month, you have to figure out what happened in order to determine whether or not you're gonna pull that discount. If it was like a tragedy or if there was something big at the company level that they could not control, then you might give them a break. But if they just ghosted you or they were looking at competitors, you might not. And then lastly, number four, stop asking leading questions. Lead with your open-ended questions. All right, Nick, how can people help us out?
1: Please go connect with Michelle on LinkedIn and tell her that you found her on 30 Minutes to Presidents Club. Dooley puts out a lot of really great sales content. So if you like actionable, tactical, and some funny stuff, you'll see it from Dooley. So please go connect with Michelle. We want to show Dooley some love because they've supported 30 Minutes to Presidents Club. Start with Michelle and uh, we'll see you guys next week on the show.